All right, we're going to sit down in a moment. Let's quickly take our declaration of understanding. Um, remember, let's learn to use our words. Let's declare things out loud. We are going to declare loudly that today we are going to have understanding. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. And I want us to declare it like, just assume that the confidence and, I don't want to say volume, but the richness, yes, of your voice, just assume for a moment that it's determining the power that is released to you. Just imagine that for a moment. All right, are we ready? Yes. Right, that's a declaration from the bottom of our hearts. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen, and that's precisely what you will experience again this evening. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. His word is coming to you specially, amen. specifically. Amen. It's penetrating into your heart, amen. even into your flesh, amen. into your soul, amen. into your spirit. Amen. Every inch of you will experience that word today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, what do we pay? Attention. Let's pay attention. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. All the time. So our school of prayer, Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. When the heart of Jesus will be troubled, you know what you'll go to do? You'll go and pray. That's one thing I learned over time. I found out that it actually works. It's not just a religious or um, a habit. It's not just a religious um, habit or just something you do, a psychological um, personal support system. That's not what it is. It's reality. It's just that many people, you know, they miss the importance of prayer or the way the prayer, the results of prayer first manifest. One thing I noticed is that Paul says something. He said that be careful about nothing. Don't worry about anything. But what should you rather do? In everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Make your request known to God. Now, what's the first thing that will come to you? He said, the peace of God that passes all understanding. All right? Will come and lay guard, you know, around your soul. That's what it's going to do. And, I mean, I've had that kind of that experience so many times. But it's, not, it's normal. It's normal. There are times I'm so troubled about something. And I've realized that if I just take that thing to God in prayer, okay, the peace of God always comes. Take the Lord Jesus Christ at a particular point in time. He knew, listen, he knew that he was supposed to go to the cross. His machinery has been set in motion. He was witnessing it happen. And then his soul was troubled. So what did he go to do? He went into the garden and he told his disciples, all right, watch with me for an hour. So stay here, pray. I'm going in to go and pray. And then he uttered those famous words. Now he did that three times, so remember. By the time he came back, he was ready. Now, this is where I'm going. The peace of God at that point in time was over him. The trouble of his soul for which he was troubled earlier was gone. The peace of God had taken hold of him. So he could come out of the garden confidently and face those who were going to arrest him. Many years ago, of course, when I was much younger, 
I used to wonder that if I'm the one Jesus called or the, the Lord called and said, sacrifice your only son. I said, Aisha is not going to be a serious battle. I used to think about that. I've seen people take, you know, they will take decisions, all right, make some important decisions. And then I will sit down and be wondering, if it were me, what would I do? Talking with one man the other day, if man of God, he said that, I just mentioned about, we were talking about missions and all of that. He said, if God tells him to go to Medugri, he said, man of God, I don't think I will go. He said that to me. He said, I don't think I will go. I laughed when he's come. I said, don't worry, sir, you will go. He said, no, he's being honest. Too. He doesn't think he will go. I said, don't worry, he will go. Why you don't think he will go right now is because he hasn't said that to you. And for that reason, his power has not been released. The confidence to go has not come to you. So don't worry. So I learned that long ago, that if the Lord were to say something hard, because I used to worry, okay, if I was the one asked to sacrifice my Isaac, what would I do? It's now I understand. Now it doesn't worry me again. If you tell me that one day they are going to behead you, I won't lose my, I'm not kidding about it. I won't lose sleep today. Maybe you tell me that it's in two years' time. You think I will lose sleep? I won't. So, Pastor Bank, you are very bold. No, 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 no. It's not about boldness. I've learned to cast all my burdens upon him. I've learned to not be anxious about anything, but to, in everything, you know, prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, make my request be known unto God. I've learned that. I've learned that the peace of God will come. The hotter the impending beheading, the more the peace that he will send. Uh, nobody's going to face beheading with his own energy. You see the way Paul wrote about it. I'm now ready to be offered up as a drink offering. That going to pop. You know what? Pop, pop open the bottle, which is his head, and pour. <laughs> and pour. How, do, how, how will a man get that kind of boldness? I found that it's not doesn't lie in anybody. So Jesus said to us, men ought always to pray, and never get tired of praying. I've said this to us many times. If anybody says to us, we well, have prayed enough, you know, you hear, you, hear, you hear that a lot of times. They send it a lot on WhatsApp chats. They forward it around. We have prayed enough. We have prayed enough. Next time anybody tells you like that, reply the fellow, say what? Get behind me, Satan. Thank you. It's a satanic statement. It is. It's directly contradicting what the Lord Jesus said. You can't pray enough because Jesus said men ought always, as long as you are alive, you qualify to be, to, um, to, to be the one addressed in that statement. So as long as you are alive, you have not prayed enough. If everything around you looks good, you have not prayed enough. If everything around you looks bad, you have not prayed enough. No matter what's going on, you have not prayed enough. If anybody in this country has prayed enough, that's the problem. You know, the other day, somebody, of course, you know, they keep on sending things like that, all kind of nonsense. Around. You know, this WhatsApp has has opened our lives for rubbish. So you have to learn how to filter. Yeah, you have to learn how to filter. Occasionally, there are times I could ignore things, but sometimes I want to help other Christians. So if I'm in a group and somebody posts nonsense, I will answer with sound, with a sound reaction, you understand, with sound response, so that somebody else will read it and be able to balance it. There's a religious group where I am. One day somebody posted something. People there are mostly Catholics. In fact, I won't be surprised if I'm the only non-Catholic there, but it's purely religious matters as discussed. I might try to explain something about the will of God, about the woman that um, had cancer and was saying, look, it's God's will, God's will. And that's most religious people's attitude. So I just asked a simple question. I didn't quarrel, you know, I, I realized the setting I was in. I didn't come with a Pentecostal fire. No, I just asked a few questions. I said, how did she know? 
Yes. I said, the woman said, her cancer is the will of God. I said, can she just tell us how come she's convinced of that? Eh, you know, God will not let... Will not. I said, wait, why did Jesus tell us to pray, thy will be done, if it's automatically done? You know, the person who started the group, a very, very religious person, he said, wow, I never thought about it like this before. I said, no, let's think about it. I said, this woman sat down there and said that they will say that, yes, God gave her cancer because she went around, all right, investigating healing ministers, trying to undermine their ministries. He said, okay, they will now say that that's why God gave her cancer. In my mind, it could be why, but let's not discuss that. It could be why, but let's not discuss it. I said, but if that's the case, why don't you just go and pray and tell them you're sorry? Why don't, you, why don't you just go and ask that God is this your will? I said, she has shown to us nowhere where she said God told her is his will. I said, if we were to use it like this, leave it the way it is, then Jesus went around healing everybody. Why didn't they resign to the will of God? The fellow said, wow, that he never thought about it like this. I dropped all those questions and I said, listen, I think this woman should just be humble, that she's proud, she's arrogant. She should be humble to go and get on her knees and say, Lord, have mercy on me. She hasn't done it. She's there because she's a journalist writing a thesis for us to read on how she's going to die soon. What is there to write reading? You are going to die, eh? Are you the first to die? Not, not that I'm not, I'm not sympathetic to people's dying, but don't come out, you know, give us nonsense doctrine just because you are going to die. When you want to die, give us sound, give us sound doctrine. When Paul was going to die, he gave us sound doctrine. He encouraged Timothy on how to work with God, how he had finished his course. So sometimes I react to things, you know? So one day somebody, of course, it, it, back to where I went to do that. I just give an example of the way I react. One day somebody posted something else, and the, that fellow who posted it, I remind him that I thought we were both brethren those days in university, because I was my classmate. We were in school together. I was in SU. And Bessie wrote one long thesis on how Nigerians pray a lot. And that was the problem. I said, how can that be the problem? Do we pray more than we drink beer? No, that, 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 I asked that question. I said, are you trying to tell me Nigerians pray more than they drink? Then how come the country is not bad because they drink? I said, there are more parties going on than prayer meetings any day. You have not said that the reason why the country is bad is because we party a lot. I said, this, what, this is how you know. Now, that's where I started that from. That's how you know satanic operations. But they will attack prayer. That is the problem in this country. You people, you like to pray, you like to pray. I said, listen to me, we like to commit adultery. Let's not lie. We like to fornicate. Let's not lie. We do that more than we pray. Ah, most of these hotels in town, what do you, you think is prayer meeting they hold in those rooms? <laughs> Apostle? Our fellowship. <laughs> cell meeting. Of course not cell meetings. Listen, we have more joints than we have churches. Joints in every corner. How come nobody has come to say the problem with this country is that we commit sexual immorality a lot? No, it is a prayer they were attacked. Do you know why? It's an operation of Satan. It's not idol. It's not a game of chance. It is Satan. Satan will never... Have you ever seen any chat where somebody, a, a, a journalist or a prominent person wants to rebuke the nation and say the problem we have is our, is our sexual immorality. We drink too much. We gossip too much. We, we, back, we backstab each other. Too. They never say it. What did they attack? Prayer. The problem, the pastors, I say, I say listen, <laughs> I don't mind when non-believers say, when Christians say it, I say, my friend, shut your mouth. They say, we are praying. I say, we have not prayed enough. Jesus said, men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. We have not prayed enough. 
So next time somebody sends to you a chat like that, we are prayed enough, reply the person, get behind me, Satan. If it's your father, don't say like that too. <laughs> if it's your friend, your anybody you can talk to, answer the person. When he says, what did you say? I said, get behind me, Satan. If he wants to get angry, quote the words of Jesus to Peter. Saying to that, look, I'm copying somebody. Say, so what did you say that then explain? Why are you attacking prayer? Why have you not attacked idleness? There are more jobless people not doing anything than those who are praying. It's a matter of fact. Why have you not attacked people who steal from their bosses? There are more people stealing from their place of employment than, than the ones that are praying. Then why are you attacking prayer? It's simple. It's, a, it's an oppression of Satan trying to reduce the power that we have. I've done a bit of meditating and observing things in this life, and I'm convinced we are here, especially in this nation, because of the power of prayer. I am convinced I do not have any doubt. I'm not saying it because I'm a preacher. I'm not saying it because I'm a Christian, even though those things are part of the things that form my ability to understand. However, I'm saying it because I'm convinced. Why? I have looked at other nations. I've looked at the kind of calamity we could have had that we have been spared. I've looked at all kinds of prophecies that we heard and prayed against. They will tell us, you see, when CIA gives its report, a lot of times, they have their reasons. And when they told us when the country will break, and we laughed like the Lord, and we said it will not, and it did not, is the power of prayer. When the spirit, that destructive spirit was moving from one country to the other in West Africa, and he tried to jump into Nigeria, Ebola. You remember that a few years ago? Ah, people prayed, though. Hey, even me, I prayed. I said, no, not here. We can't, I mean, we can't let this happen. We can't let it, let it happen. In a few, well, by a year or so, it took over 11,000 people in just about two or three small countries. With all the effort, the moment it landed in Lagos, people said, no. We began to pray. Naturally speaking, we can explain what happened. Serious response. But you see, there are so many things that also did not happen that you see is an issue of prayer. That man would have gone to the hospital there, but God shut it down. Luth was closed. So he had to go to a private hospital where they could quickly identify all his contacts. Contact tracing. This, that. Before we knew what was happening, in a few weeks, we were declared Ebola free. Then I heard CNN's report, and I couldn't believe my ears. When I heard CNN's report... I didn't know how to react. I did not know how to react. I, I didn't. I did not know how to react because I heard things I'd never heard them say before. Nigeria was able to control it because of its existing health infrastructure. I'm telling you, I heard with my ears. I was looking at was it Aisha Sassi that was talking that day, one of these or one of the African reporters. I was looking like what? Which country? You see, unlike the other countries, by the time they finished. You look and say, ah, London, welcome. <laughs> you thought you were in London. When she finished describing our health infrastructure, I said, eh, okay. We thank God for that. They always will find an explanation when God has finished blessing you. It's always like that. There has to be an explanation. When God has blessed you now, they say, that guy was very wise. He knew when to leave Enugu and go to Abakliki. Everybody else was going to Lagos. They won't know his blessing. You were as confused as the whole world when you went. In fact, they were about to sack you, quickly resigned, and found the only person that would, not, would agree for you. 
They think you knew what you were doing. They now start, of course, you too, after 10 years, you will have forgotten. You now write one stupid book. 17 keys <laughs> to engineer progress. Know the right people. As if you knew they were right when you knew them. <laughs> Do you get my point? Have you heard it before? Be in the right place at the right time. It's a law of quantum mechanics. You can never know the position of a, of a particle and its direction of spin at the same time. Is it, is it the position and velocity? You have something? Yes. Now you can't know it. It's a law. That is, they say it's being the right place at the right time. Who told, um, what is the name of our guy, Saul, to be in the presence of Samuel at the right time? They were just going. They said, donkey miss. They find donkey die, like we say in Nigeria. They find the donkey tire. Finally, the servant said, bros, there's one seer here. Let's go and see him. He said, do you have anything remaining? The guy said, ask more money. No, you don't go and see prophets empty-handed. It is modern-day Christians that come and see apostles without anything in their hand. <laughs> so they said, okay, let's just go. We have something small here. We can give him a gift. Meanwhile, God has said to Samuel, I said, this, by this time tomorrow, I'll send him to you. So they don't know he was being sent. He thought he was looking for missing donkeys. And as soon as he came, the prophet said, come, you, you are going to eat with me. And his life changed. So Saul was in the right place at the right time. Nonsense. He, was, he didn't know he was right. The Holy Spirit took him to the place he needed him to be at that time. There was nothing right or wrong about the time. It was a plan of God unfolding. Sometimes, you know, I, I've not read motivational books in a very long time. I can't even remember how many I read in my life. They used to annoy me. They had a way of annoying my soul. You make it look like, look, the only motivation I have for anybody, fear God, <laughs> obey his commandments, <laughs> keep your mouth from speaking evil, be diligent with everything that's put in your hands. He said each one should exercise his gift accordingly. Occupy with this until I come. That's all I have. There's nothing else I have for anybody. Okay, I have another one. Pray about everything. Don't worry. What will, tomorrow, what will happen tomorrow? What, what, who, there's no reason to worry about tomorrow. There's absolutely no reason. Because one thing about tomorrow, you may not even be here tomorrow. I mean, you, you, you are dead. I'm trying to say it like that. So you want, to, you want to say, okay, okay, maybe I can send some money ahead to heaven. You don't know. Life has been compartmentalized into days. Know which day you are in and feel it. Feel it with divine activity. What will happen tomorrow? Don't worry about it. You see people who are just leaving school. They were trying to choose where they will be living because this is where opportunity is or this is where husband, this is where wife is. No nonsense they thought. People be running up and down. I remember one day one of our brothers told me that in their place, People ran away because of militants. And they ran to Abuja. Because Niger Delta was hot. So everybody carried their family, they ran to Abuja. But he stayed and continued to pray. The next thing, boom. No, this is his spirit. There was Niger Delta militants. But then Boko Haram had infiltrated much of Nigeria. And then one day, boom, they bombed somewhere in, Lagos, in Abuja. Bombed the church. But then we knew bomb was going off left, right, and center. They even tried to call, kill the IG of police. 
And the man stood there, I wanted to talk to the IG. said, okay, follow me. He wanted to move close. He said, move before we shoot you. That's why his bomb went off in the police headquarters. Everybody ran away to Abuja. Suddenly, they said, where do we go now? Then they start running again. See, you know what God said? You said we will flee. He said, therefore, shall you flee? He said, he said, we will run on horses. He said, therefore, those who pursue you will be swift. He said, however, in returning and in rest, will you be saved? I tell people, never, let me say it one more time. Never leave one place to another to look for anything. Eh? I'm looking for money. I'm looking for the future for my children. You know why? God has planted you somewhere. The only reason you will move is in, in um, response to the move of the Spirit concerning your life. Not because uh, if I go here, I will prosper. Prosperity is supposed to follow you as a Christian. Not you go looking for it. You are the head and not the tail. How would you like the dog that the tail is running and you see the dog running backwards towards the tail? Won't you think something is upside down? That's how we behave. Prosperity is a tail. We are the head. The Lord is good. What am I going to explain? People say that we have prayed enough. We have not prayed enough. I keep on saying that thing. We have not prayed enough. We have not prayed enough. We have not prayed enough. Because Jesus said men ought always. Always. Paul said pray without season. Don't ever stop praying. Pray when you are driving. Pray when you are about to sleep. Pray as soon as you rise up. Pray before you eat. Pray when you are in the bathroom. Pray when you go to the toilet. Find every excuse to pray. There are different forms of prayer. Thanksgiving is the easiest to flow in all the time. Oh, it's the easiest. You want to eat? Thank God for food. You want to drink? Thank God for water. Everything, give thanks. You get extra money? Thank God for it. You have the opportunity to give money? Thank God for it. I like one thing Bishop Wedepo said once. So one day they traveled, came back, and found that their luggage had been stolen. The bag was missing. It literally was stolen. So they said, so they went, why they were thinking, ah, maybe a thief this, ah, you know, Bishop Oedipo said, he started giving God thanks. That thank God I'm not a thief. Some people could come, this country is unsafe, this country, even ordinary luggage in the airport, you know, things are, you know, he started complaining. What was his own thought? Thank God I am not a thief. Second Thanksgiving, I thank God I have something that can be stolen. There are people that believe in the middle of a million thieves. There's nothing to take. That is, he twisted the situation <laughs> until it was full of thanksgiving. Thank God I'm not the thief. I'm the person whose thing was stolen. Thank God I have something to be stolen. He just kept on giving thanks. I was listening to Derek Prince the other day. He said, he went, as a young believer, he was in the, in the army in North Africa, in the desert. And every day we'll be wondering what is going on, what is going on. Then one day, that is like, why, why do I have to be here? Why can't God get me out of here? Why can't he stop this war? He just kept on talking, talking, talking. Then one day the Holy Spirit just told you, it was a young believer, so Holy Spirit, an old believer, Holy Spirit won't tell you anything. Because there are things you should know. Holy Spirit will be looking at you like they say, you will soon jam. But as a young believer, Holy Spirit just told him, oh boy, you have not even thanked me. 
God yet. So he began to give thanks every day. Next thing he realized, he said the circumstances around did not change. But he changed so much, he was no longer as uncomfortable, as distressed as he used to be. Just for giving thanks on a daily basis. He had a small company of men with him. He said he doesn't think they lost one man throughout the war. In his own company. Of about maybe 12 people. He was a corporal in charge. So there were, there were times they would be in deep, you know, trouble, you know. What do you call it? Shells dropping here and there, bullets flying around. And one of those tough soldiers would tell him, Corporal Prince, I'm happy you are here. He said they saw him as a kind of protective cover, his presence. And it was not a, what do you call it? It was not a, what do you call those soldiers that carry guns and drive? It was not a combatant, yes. He was in the medical corps. Yet, they were always happy that he's there. Once bullets fly and they look, corporal princes, they don't worry, we'll be fine. And you know what? They were fine. He learned to just give thanks in the situation. Thanksgiving is something you can flow in all the time. Because there's always something to thank God for. Like we say, count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Once we played that thing in my house, that game, told the children during that lockdown period, you know, we used to have a lot of uh, fantastic fellowship time in the mornings. One of those mornings, I said to them, all right, what are the things you would like to have that you don't have right now? So each one went turn by turn. Stayed about four things. Of course, they will stay this, they will stay this. Many of the things that they are saying in my mind, you won't go have them, don't worry about it. <laughs> they are using style to tell me, I will not, I'm not going to do anything, acquire any of these things. <laughs> But if I allow them to speak, you know, they will do a bit of thinking. And I say, all right, are you done? Yes, let's not thank, let's start counting the things you have. And I give them an idea of the kind of things to count. And then, of course, each person could count up to 100 if given the time. You have to thank God that you go to school. You have to thank God you have a bed. You have to thank God you have a roof over your head. You have to thank God that you have a brother, you have a sister, you have a mother, you have a father, you have a house, you have food. You know, in fact, we started singing one song at, that, at, at the time. So that day I just came out and I said, ha, ah, I'm hungry. Is there any food downstairs? And without saying anything, Victor just answered, downstairs always has food. Now the young boy wasn't trying to be, to him, why are you asking there food downstairs? There's always food downstairs. So I told him, boy, don't take it for granted. You have to thank God for that. So we formed a song, and we used to sing it in the house. Downstairs always has food. Downstairs always has food. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Downstairs always has food. We thank the Lord. Now, the kitchen and the store, are downstairs. That's why it's downstairs that always has food. The young boy said it without thinking. He was like, ah, I can't be asking that. He said, there's always food downstairs. And I had to remind him, don't just assume so. Remember to give God thanks for it. So during lockdown, we used to sing that song. It became a standard. We have not sung that song in a while in the house. So I singing it. I mean, we want to pray in the morning. Everybody, let us thank God. Downstairs always. <laughs> yes. If you're well, always has water. Thank God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You have to thank God. 
There's always something to you will always find. I just have uh, a word just dropped in my heart. The Lord is saying that if you find something to thank God for, I will make sure you never lack what to thank God for. Look, initially, it may look like a struggle to look for to find it because you are so full of complaining, grumbling. It will be a struggle initially. But once you start, you will never be able to stop. God will fill your life with reason to give thanks. He will fill your life with reasons to give thanks. Thanksgiving is something we can flow in all the time. Always be positive about it. I told my wife something once sometime. I said, think about it. You've known me for a long time. When do you ever hear me complaining about I don't have this, I don't have this? She has never heard me complain. Never. Say, I don't have this one, I don't have this one. By now I should have this, by now I should not have this. I remember once I was talking with my auntie. She was just trying to talk about things going on. She this is not the kind of plate my mate uses to eat. I just got up. Now, what I can't remember is whether I told her to her face, but I remember thinking it. I said, auntie, what I told her, I suspect I did, but I can't remember for sure. I see when somebody's eating and they are full. That's what they start saying. I was so angry. I was so angry. You are eating with fine, you know what they call China. Beautiful ceramic plates with good, not plastic spoon. Meanwhile, I like plastic spoon anyway. I'm not saying anything wrong with plastic spoon. My favorite drinking cup is, is plastic cup. I hope you know. What's your favorite drinking cup? Glass? <laughs> Glass is for visitors. <laughs> Say, Pastor Banky, why do you like plastic? They are the biggest size. As this small, there's these small cups. When they get, sometimes people get, they just put a glass cup. Then you you go pour a tire. Come here when I want to drink water. It's 1.5 liters at the go. I'm not joking. When I want to drink, I can drink up to 1.5 liters. You know these sachets of pure water we use. When I bite one off, shoo, I squeeze it. You wonder whether I put it on the ground. I I, I go through two of that without hesitating, and I slow down the third one. So I now give me all these uh, all these fine drinking glasses. They're not the big rich. This one that we have a lot in the house, this one tall, well, well. It can take almost one liter of water. Uh-huh. So, nothing wrong with it. Because some people just think, like, uh, as I say, you know, come in plastic. And God is looking like, Panky is drinking with plastic. What's your problem? <laughs> you know, a lot of things God gives us, eh, we treat it like it's nothing. One of the greatest foods God gives Nigerians. Who can tell me what it is? Gary, God bless you. I can't, I have meditated forward and backwards. I can't think of food better than Gary. The only one that ranks close is bread. Gary is the will of God. <laughs> it does not spoil. If you put it in a bowl, just cover it in there. One month later, it's still, it's still fresh. It does not require to be cooked, and it can be cooked if you wish. You can take it straight or complicated, whichever way you like it. <laughs> I know it can receive all kinds of things. It can receive ordinary water and it will go down. It can receive milk and sugar and honey and the will of God, groundnuts. Oh God. <laughs> My God. Ooh. If I feel like I feel like closing this meeting. <laughs> I'm going to my Gary. <laughs> but you know, there are people that God bless with Gary. Complaining won't end in their mouths. 
There was a time I used to carry Gary to the office. My wife looked like, what is this? I said, it's food. What's wrong with it? I had someone in my office. I have Gary. Ah, chief, you can't be talking Gary. Why not? The whole world, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, here and now. I soak Gary. <laughs> and I soak it in all kinds of shades and colors. White Gary, yellow Gary, mixture of the two. I soak with ordinary sugar and groundnut, nothing else. If you want your Gary to do the will of God, just put groundnut, cool water, and some sugar. And sugar does not kill people. Thank you. <laughs> They've lied to people. If you eat sugar, you have diabetes. Sugar is not the cause of diabetes. I'm speaking to you as a man who knows. Don't eat sugar. I said, why are you behaving like you have the problem of white man? See your black face. You are trying to pretend as if you are in America. You're not in America. You're in Nigeria where to drink one bottle of Coke, you pay money. You don't get enough sugar to be disturbing our souls. Nonsense. We put garlic inside, we put sugar inside. From secondary school, we were doing this thing. There's one we used to do in secondary school. When the sugar is too small, you won't put it inside. You hold it in one hand. Ah, uh, you've not done that one? Oh, you did that one. These boys, they don't know anything. <laughs> because, because if you toss the sugar inside, it will just dissolve into the way, so you hold it like this. You put it and bite small of the sugar. So it will coat your tongue. Father God, we worship you. <laughs> I'm telling you, see, see, there's so much that we need to thank God for. But many things that God has blessed us with, we just, like we use the word, we commonize it. We make it look like nothing. We'll not be complaining there's no food in the house. No, there's plenty garden in the house. We say there's no food. God say, ah, what do you mean there's no food in the house? That garden is no food. There's one revelation Pastor Corey shares once in a while. It doesn't look like a big revelation, but when you listen to it, say you ask God for 100,000 naira, God will send you 5,000. You say he has no answer. No, he has answered. He expects you to solve the problem bit by bit. So next time he sends another 20,000 naira. Next time he sends another 20,000 naira. They're under 10,000. He said to him, you complain that I asked God for 100,000. God said, wait, check how much I sent you in the last six weeks. You said 125,000. But because you are so full of grumbling, you didn't notice. You did not notice. They sent, God brought 10,000. He said, if you use it for, he said, no, it's 100,000. So this one, you eat it. So you have the idea to eat suya. God said, no, that's, not, that's your problem, not mine. The 100K, the 100K will be complete. Whether you'll be able to do what you want to do with it is what you, is, you will see. You, you eat suya. Say, God, I'm waiting for 100,000. God said, I'm only 90. Send another 15,000. I realized that, ah, it's been a while I drank wine. I know one man does this. Everywhere is broke. Notice, ah, it's been a while he drank one particular brand of wine. Expensive. Oh. And I'll be looking at him and say, bros, did you not hear what they just said now? That there's no money. You go and buy the wine you drink it. Because I'm owing you 65,000. And one day sends another, one day we just say, okay, give him the rest. Send you 45, balance. It won't be enough to do anything. Why? You did not recognize the time of your visitation. Thanksgiving is one kind of prayer we can flow in constantly. That's one of the make. We can flow in Thanksgiving all the time. Just it's a habit. You take the food, you give God thanks for it. You see your cup as 
half full rather than half empty. All the time, deliberately. That is, it's something you train yourself to do. The Bible says, pray without stopping. Thanksgiving is one way you can pray without ceasing. The road is bad. Say, at least God, we have somewhere to go. There's no that road good though. Road bad though. They, they are not going anywhere. They are not making any progress. If you remove all the roads around here, no good. They will never know. So for you to say road is bad, you are going somewhere. Say, Lord, thank you for purpose that makes us rise every day to look for a place to go. I hope you know one of the greatest blessings around you is the fact that you can come worship God, hear the word of God. How many people give? I, mean, I know Pastor Kim, the one is leading prayer, is always pointing that thing out that you can come to hear the word of God, give God thanks for it. There are places where they don't, there's no law against it. You can go, but there's no time. My friend said, <laughs> he lives in America. Say, man, you don't mind them. They tell you to exercise. Then they make sure you never have time to exercise. He said, the society is structured in such a manner that you have no time for anything. They tell you every day, exercise, exercise. He said, where's the time? You have to work to pay bills. You have to work to do this. You have to work to do this. He said, there's no time. Then do not get up every day and tell you, exercise, exercise, exercise. And they make sure there's no time to do any of it. <laughs> Told me the story of one man. He's a doctor. <laughs> so the man in that heart, so his heart was very bad. So he told the man, you have to stay in hospital. They have to do So the man said, I'm sorry, I have to go to work. Ah. He said, look at the man. Told him to sit down, please. Let me explain to you. You don't understand. You could get up here, walk out, and drop dead. And the man looked at the doctor and said, you don't understand. I have to walk. So while he was watching, the guy signed papers that he should be discharged against medical advice. Why? He said, I have to walk. I have bills to pay. He kept on telling my friend that, doc, you don't understand. I have to walk. I have to get back to work. I have bills to pay. I have bills to pay. And he was trying to tell the man, you don't get it. Dead men don't pay bills. You could drop dead outside the gates of this hospital and that would be the end of it. The man said, I have bills to pay. The man was repeating it for him. He signed and got up and left. You may not be the richest man in the world, but at least you have time to come for Bible study. You should give God thanks for that. Can't just take a minute and give the Lord thanks. Like I tell my children, count at least 20 things. Just count on your fingers. Small things. Things you just overlooked, you didn't take for granted, you know, just you took for granted. There are so many of them, so many. There are so many, so many of those things, so many, so many. Things that we just take for granted, as if nothing is happening. Food, water, a house to live in, a roof over your head. It may not be the best house in the world. I've seen houses, some of them are so fine. But do you know the truth? Comfort is in the soul. Comfort is in the soul. Comfort is in the soul. So thank God for comfort. Thank God for people around you. Thank God for your wife, your husband, your friends, your pastor, your congregation, cousins, your mother, who's praying for you every day. Give God thanks for those people. Thank God that you know him. I was watching one man on YouTube a few hours ago. I, you know, I had to go and get tissue for my eyes. 
I saw a man that was in pain. He wanted freedom, but he didn't have it. Freedom from drug addiction. Freedom from alcohol. Freedom from Indian hemp. Give the Lord thanks because you are free. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. Give the Lord thanks. There's so many things to thank, to thank God for. You can read the scriptures. You thank God for it too. The word comes into your hearing. Thank God for it. Jesus has given you hope. Thank God for that hope. There's a hope of eternal life. There's a hope of healing. There's a hope of prosperity. There's a hope of long life. There's a hope of total freedom. But it's something to expect. Something you are believing God for. That you can believe. That is, you are believing God for it. But that you can believe. <laughs> that it crossed your mind is a possibility. That it's God that gave what the Bible calls the spirit of faith. Thank God for the spirit of faith. Thank God for the spirit of faith. Thank God for the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is one of the most important things to thank the Lord for. That you know him. Let me read out this scripture to you. So beautiful. I saw it the other day. It was such a blessing to me. He said, you have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and new wine abound. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundance of harvests of grain and new wine. That's Psalms 4. Verse 7. Thank God for the joy has placed inside your heart too. One of the greatest things that Lord has given me is satisfaction. Is satisfaction. When my wife and I lived in one room, we were very happy. Many times she used to look back at those when we were in loot. It was the quarters. Just one tiny apartment. Literally one room. Literally one room. Divided into sitting area and bed area. And she would say, ah, those days, even if you got angry, there was nowhere to go. Thank God for satisfaction. Thank the Lord that the will of God has been done in your life. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, we worship you. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's continue what we're talking about. There's something I began to share with us last time. And I just feel like talking about it briefly. Then we'll read a few of those Psalms. There's a particular Psalm I want us to read. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, let me read from verse, um, verse 19, just a few verses. He said, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his hand, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I want us to read that verse 30 again. It says, the Lord, it says Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. It's so important. I want us to note that thing he said there. He said that the angels listen, they obey the voice of God's word. What I hear from that is that they don't just obey God directly. They respond every time the word of God is uttered by any person's voice. They respond. 
The Bible makes something clear to us, and this is so important. See, I know I've taught these things many times, but I've, I can't teach them enough because sometimes we get confused. I spent the last time, the will of God, there's a difference between the will of God and the judgment of God. On this earth, the decree of God will always be done. What God commands is what we always do. We don't have a choice about that. Nothing on this earth can happen if God does not command it. But that, you see, those days in, uh, when we're learning the word of faith, those days, that was a confusion. Many people did not understand. They thought you meant, and that was the impression I had until I began to learn scriptures by myself and I, I got to understand a lot of things. They thought you meant that the will of God is that there should be a war. They assumed that you meant that the will of God is that people should die. They thought you were saying that the will of God is the, that bad things will happen. So they would say things like, uh, a good God will never do that. A loving father will never afflict his children's soul. And they are right in saying that. But the problem is that what we experience on earth is not necessarily the will of God. So what we experience on the earth is a decree of the Almighty, not necessarily the will of God. The will of God is different. What is the will of God? Is that which God desires. That's what the will of God is. That which he wants. That which he desires. That is, if you say, God, what would you like to happen on the earth? And he says that to you. And everything that he wants to happen on the earth is written in heaven. Did you hear what I said? Everything that he wants is written already in heaven. Is written down. And when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he said, pray like this, thy will be done on earth as it is recorded in heaven. The misreading, which we do sometimes, is to say that, to think that he was saying, thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. That was not what he was saying. They did not always do his will in heaven. There was a time that Satan caused problems in heaven. True of us? There was a time. Yes. There was a time Michael had to fight and in heaven. So don't assume that the will of God is just automatically done because it is heaven. No. It doesn't work like that. So when Jesus said that will be done, he said there are records in heaven. The plan of God for your life and for my life, for Nigeria, for Africa, for our nation has been written in heaven. But it doesn't come to pass automatically. That's one thing I want us to bear in mind. It does not come to pass automatically. What comes to pass automatically is the decree of God. And what is the judgment of God? What is the decree of God? It's a combination, well, from my understanding, of three things. It's the resultant force of three things. Number one, the will of God. Number two, the behavior of people on the earth. We're talking about things that happen on the earth now. The decree of God is engineered by three things. The first is the will of God. The second is the behavior of the people on the earth. For example, if God says, this is my will, I will take you out of Egypt and take you into the promised land. If we all refuse to believe and there's no faith in our hearts and we get to the edge of the promised land and say, we are not able. Do you follow my point? What will happen? We will die in the wilderness. Now, dying in the wilderness, was it the decree of God? Answer me. Yes, it was. It was a decree of God. You heard him say it. He said, these people that have scorned me today, 
all their carcasses will be laid low in the wilderness. They will not enter into the promised land. That was his decree. Second question, was that his will? No, it was not his will. Why did they not enter? The Bible says because of unbelief. Because they rebelled against God. Because they refused to follow his instructions. So you see, their behavior caused something to happen on the earth. Now, what was supposed to happen to them? All of them were supposed to die. And God was going to do what? Raise a generation from one person. Who? Moses. Did that happen? Did that happen? No. Why did it not happen? Because Moses prayed. So the third thing that produces the decree of God or the judgment of God on the earth is the prayers of the people of the earth. So three things. Number one, the will of God. Number two, the behavior of man on the earth. Number three, the prayers. Those are the three things. So what you see is a combination of the effects of these three things. God's will is there. The behavior of people is there. And then the prayers they pray. Prayers of intercession. In that kind of situation, you saw Moses praying, interceding for the people. That God wouldn't let things happen according to their behavior. If God had allowed things to happen according to their behavior, they would all have died shortly after that time. But they lived for a long time, 40 years. They continued to live because of the intercession of Moses. This is so important. So the will of God matter. For it to be done on the earth, we have to enforce it. We have to enforce it. And that's one reason why we keep on teaching on prayer every week. Because the things that God wants to do, all right, they must be enforced in the place of prayer first. They must be enforced. They don't just happen automatically. And there are forces, you must understand. Please, believers, follow what I'm going to explain here. On the earth, there are all kinds of forces. Let me give an example. Let's use Israel again as an example. When Israel left the promised land, let's mention a few names. We don't know too many, but let's mention a few names. We know of Moses, right? We know of Miriam. We know of Aaron. We know of um, uh, uh, Joshua. We know of... um, Caleb, we know of the sons of, um, what's their name now? Korah, Datham, Abiram. We know of the sons of um, the other sons, the, what the, of Eli. Okay? We know the, those people. I'm going somewhere. We know all these people. All of them, and then millions added to them. Adults, at least a few hundreds of thousands of men. All of them were contributing something into their progress. Moses was the chief of the contributors. People like Miriam followed him. People like um, Aaron followed. But the spirits of most of these people did not enter the promised land. I hope you're getting my point. For example, at the point in time, everybody compelled Aaron to build a golden calf. That was the way not to enter the promised land. There was a time, even Aaron and... um, What's the name of the sister? Miriam. Conspired against Moses. That was the way not to enter the promised land. There was a time everybody said, oh, we're tired of manna. Manna, manna, manna. Breakfast, Gary. Afternoon, Gary. In the morning, Gary with, with beans. Afternoon, Gary with groundnut. At night, Gary with fish. <laughs> Everything, Gary, 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 Gary. What kind of thing is this one? Now, for those of you who are angry with the Israelites, you see you are guilty too. 
There are those who have been angry with beans. Meanwhile, they had the beans to eat. In the morning, they ate akara. In the afternoon, they ate beans proper. At night, they ate more and more, and they're angry. Don't be angry. Be thankful. Because if you are not thankful, God can remove the beans. You now know that beans is better than nothing. Israel grumbled and grumbled and said, hey, we want to eat meat. That was a spirit that did not enter the promised land. I'm going to emphasize something here. So there were so many spirits in that congregation. There were three clear spirits we had that was heading for the promised land. Three. Very, I were sure of that. One, Moses. Moses had no problem. He was going to enter the promised land. Two, Joshua. Joshua had no problem. He was going to enter the promised land. Three, Caleb. Caleb had no problem. He was going to enter the promised land that day, that week. He was planning to enter. Question. Did any of these three enter for the next 40 years? No. For the next 40 years, Caleb couldn't enter. Even though he believed God. God mentioned him by name several times. He couldn't enter. Joshua believed God. He couldn't enter. Moses was alive just before they entered. God said, hey, wait, wait, wait here. Moses looked like, why? That time I told you to speak to the rock. What did you do? You struck the rock. They said, I think I forgot it. You are not entering the promised land. Ah, please now. Say, hey, stop. You know, he asked the Lord three times. God said, don't talk to me about the matter again. They now took him into the air and took him on a spiritual tour. And he saw the land, but he couldn't enter. And then God told him, die here. He died, and God buried him, and Israel never saw him again. I hope you know, Moses was like an ascension. He went up the mountains, he never came down. I don't even know how they knew he was dead. But we have the record, God must have revealed, they had prophets also with them. God revealed the prophets, yeah guys, we have to move. Moses, my servant, is dead. And he spoke to Joshua, you know that. Alright? So Moses couldn't enter. Even though he had the spirit that entered. What am I going to say? So sometimes, when you see promised land not appearing suddenly, it's not God. It's not because God doesn't want to do it. It's not because your prayers are not answered. It's because there are too many spirits that are not entering. Oh, so many spirits are not entering. They go to church, but they don't want to enter. They write columns in the newspaper that this promised land, we must build it, but they don't want to enter. Because you enter the promised land by what? Faith. Without faith, you cannot enter into God's promised land. There is no other way. You can't enter God's promised land by labor. You can't enter God's promised land by desire. You only enter it by what? By faith. So sometimes when I'm talking with people, sometimes, you know, I have, um, you hear me refer to a chat group I belong with, a number of people are not believers. I talk about it once in a while. Why I keep referring to it is where I respond to some things. And uh, the problem I have all the time is Christians, supposed Christians. Today, they will post prayer points. The other day, somebody say, ah, join me in prayer. In my mind, me. Join you. In prayer for who or what? I can't join you in prayer. Why? This is a prayer of habit. I'm sorry to say, Lord, forgive me. I have to say because I'm teaching your children. And it is hypocritical prayer. Let us be seen to be praying. You don't believe. You don't believe. Because the same people will turn around tomorrow and tell me I'm burying my head in the sand concerning the problems of the nation. They will turn around tomorrow and tell me that eh, you like to say everything is good, good, good. And I keep on asking them, when did I ever say that? 
When did I ever tell you everything is good? If everything was good, what am I praying about? Why did I wake up in the morning, my family and aunt declare, He is the Lord who makes wars cease. Therefore, we command wars to cease in this nation. I said to them, I said, you know the difference? What you don't understand is that I have a duty to contribute faith. I cannot be behaving the way you are behaving. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to the governor of Enugu State. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to the president of Nigeria. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to the chief of army staff. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to the IG of police. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to the church of God in Nigeria. I have to wake up in the morning and give faith to economic planners. I have to give them faith because without it, they can't do anything. Our own belief can cripple the hands of anybody. If all of us were to say you can't do it, then, listen, there's something I said before. <laughs> the first day I said people were shocked, but many of you have heard me say before, so you won't be shocked anymore. I said that time we're talking about power in, the, in, in this country. I said if Jesus was the head of state, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not Jesus the footballer. I mean Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth, the one that went to Golgotha, who was punished and then nailed to the cross for your sake and mine. If that same resurrected Jesus came to be the president of Nigeria, I said it then, that he could not, that he could not give constant power supply. Not to talk about Basanji or talk about Buhari or the good Lord Jonathan. I said, there's no way he's going to do it. Okay, when you say that to a Christian, say what? You don't know the power of Jesus. I also know the limitation of the heart of men. He went on to his own. His own did not receive him. What could he do? He went to his hometown. The Bible says he could not do mighty works there. You don't realize to give a nation of 200 million people who don't like to pay bills constant power. Do you realize it is a mighty work? If you ask Jesus Christ, you say, hey, he say, <laughs> open the eyes of the blind. It's cheaper than what you're asking for. Just bring me blind people. Let me open their eyes. Let's go. Why? I will deal with the blind person one. After the next, next blind person, one by one, I will heal all of them. But to generate power for ungrateful, unthankful, do you get my point? Hearts. I can't do it. Oh, I have the power. They just can't receive it. It's not his power that's the problem. When he went to his hometown, did he not have power? I mean, a woman that had the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. He was not even aware. His cloth, I don't know whether you get my point. His cloth had enough power in it, she got healed. Lazarus was dead for four days. Did not have ears anymore. Yet he heard the voice of the Spirit and rose again from the dead. Power was not the issue. But the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. Why? He marveled at their what? Unbelief. So before you get discouraged, it's not about God, it's not about prayer. Look at those who are praying with you. And there was a time we were praying for some people in school. That's why I stopped closing my eyes to pray for anybody. If I want to pray for you, my eyes will be open. I'm looking at you. The people you are praying for, they are doing like this. It's like, Pastor, quick, I have to go home. You are the one praying. No? They are the one that needs the answer. No, nothing is wrong with you. You don't need any special miracle that evening. They are the ones that need all the miracles. Yet they are in a hurry. They are checking their watch. We're praying for some people. So they say, go and pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Me say, if I get there, you know, say, 
we were small, small, but we were learning how to do these things. So we were quoting scripture and quoting scripture. We began to pray. I closed my eyes. By the time I opened it, the girls were laughing. <laughs> Apostle. They were giggling. Holy Spirit. Like somebody said, blood of God. I said, what? One of them picked the Bible and showed me that speaking in tongues or these feelings is not for everybody. I, I wasn't ready to argue with her. So what are you doing here? Why don't you let those who want it, who is this for, come to my presence? But I was there with my eyes closed, quoting scripture. Declaring the word of God. Say that anointing in the name of Jesus. <laughs> they were like two or three days. They were laughing. They were in laughter. Not icy kind of laughter. This is mockery. This is laughter that killed the, the royal officer. Is that time when it's prayer time? Eh? You say pray for me. I'll be looking at you. Receive it in the name of I'm checking for that. <laughs> close which eye. I know they close any eye again. I want to see what you are up to. Close which eye. <laughs> In the same manner, I will come to church. Let us pray for this country. Some people say, this country is dead. But they are there. Oh, Father. <laughs> Congregation, listen. I don't mean to sound like, you know, I'm only sounding like I'm fighting somebody. It's not my fault. When they gather a large congregation, everybody come and do all night. I, know, I, I don't go. I, I know they go. I say all night with a large congregation. They don't believe. If it's just five minutes in the afternoon, I can risk it. But when you make me leave my house, forget my sleep, and I will be up the whole night with people who don't believe. Once I went to one big church in Lagos, Faith Church, and one of my colleagues was there, you know, a powerful guy in the church. They gave him the microphone, and he came and let prayer. So I saw him next day at work. Ah, oh God, now you're judging me that. Ah, we're talking. Then he showed me his plans. Another day we met the same group, all of us who attend the church. So we're not showing the other person is one lady. I said, ah, this is what we're going to do. Say, ah, after that, I've left your country for you. Yes. That when I've done this one, I've left your country for you. What I remember was this same person collected microphone in church. I was in front leading all of us in prayer, including for the country. Then I saw him at work the following week. He said, I will soon leave your country for you. And you bring me for a whole night prayer of such a human being. No, this will just come and say, Banky, come. Let me and you talk outside. Because this is what people are doing. Nobody in heaven is listening. Unbelief. I'm sorry to say it. You know, there's something that Jesus did. The disciples came and said, teach us to pray. Every time I have to lead the congregation in prayer, if you give me 10 minutes to pray, I teach for at least 7 minutes. People don't like, say, no, Lord's prayer. I say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be praying with people who don't believe. I will spend the first seven minutes for us to all know what we are praying. If two of you shall agree, we must know what we are agreed upon. We must know what we are agreed upon. There are Christians who are praying, Lord of justice, what they mean is I come and divide this country so that headsmen can leave our village. Because they are boiling with anger over some things. Once I was in the church, a man said, this country, the way it's going, we have to pray. Said so there are positions you should be occupying, and you are not yet occupying. And I felt like I said, oh God, who told you? You are obviously angry. You are in the office. They are not promoting you. Personal anger. Meanwhile, God is the one that says, I will, uh, I will not promote you. You think it's a country. It's not the country. It's a problem between you and your office. Said so there's injustice in the land. When people are praying in this country, when people are praying against injustice, God is not listening. Because what they call injustice, God does not think is injustice. 
What they call justice, God says, you are, listen, it's called covetousness. Assuming they are from a senatorial district. You know, in Nigeria, okay, in our states, we rotate, at least most states in the south, I don't know how they do it in the north, but at least in Enugu, for example, we rotate um, the governorship among senatorial districts. They do that in other states in the south I'm aware of, all right? Now, within each senatorial district, they usually don't remember to rotate between local governments. Uh, they normally don't remember that one. Once they rotate within senatorial districts, so there are people that it has come to their senatorial districts, has gone around, and is back. And is back with the same local government. They now come to church. There is injustice in this land. <laughs> you don't know there is a, is a, is a, it's an APC prayer they are praying. It's a PDP prayer. It's Abga prayer. It's YPP prayer. Are you getting my point? This one, Anambra here. They have one part in Anambra called YPP. Some people are praying those prayers. And they come and join in the church to pray against injustice. And you think you're in agreement. Yes, as a Christian, injustice is bad. Yeah, amen. Father God, the justice. What they are saying is, Lord, our local government too must get it this time. And God does not think so. I hope you know God is not a politician. He's not in PDP. I hope you're aware of that. You know he's not in APC. He's not in YPP. He's not in Abga. He's not in any of the parties. And the concept of rotation does not exist with him. So, you know what somebody is saying now? I can almost hear it on Twitter. Pastor, don't say that thing again. Because <laughs> they don't want it to filter to APC. Lest Oga put somebody from Katsina as his replacement. Yeah. You know, human beings are very funny. You can preach anything is good until you cross their political persuasion. Once you cross it, they first log you out. And they look at what is this man of God saying. You know one thing? When a prophet is talking, be careful. When the prophetic word of God is coming forth, you can't fight it. You fight it at your own peril. The word of God does not always make us happy. That's what I'm making. God is the one that installs his own king. He doesn't discuss with anybody when he wants to do it. They said rotation, rotation that time. God, they looked at and said, no, I'm not rotating yet. So they rotated to the north. So God removed the man they put. Remember that time? President Obasanjo left and put a rotated person. And God rotated the person. And what happened? President came back to the south. And in Satanas did not complain. No. They liked it that time. Oh, don't worry, I'm not prophesying. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just explaining principles to you. If you rotate without God, you will keep spinning. You will never balance. I hope you're getting my point. If you rotate without God, eh, you will become dizzy. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what we did that time. If they had left God, as we were all a country of believers and we had prayed and allowed the head of state to do what he would have loved to do, a man would not have needed to die for the presence to go back to where God wanted it to go. Just by the way, don't fight for seats. So. You know what they call seats? Position. Don't fight. Don't fight. The reason is that if God says that seat is not your own, if you sit on it, ah, let's leave it like that. It will be so hot. It will be so hot. I, mean, I like one story that the Red Prince told. When the war in North Africa was going bad for the, for the Allied forces, the man who was commanding the Northern Fleet that time, at least the, the commander of the, uh, the war in North Africa for the Allied forces, 
They removed him. And the council of war in Britain sat down and appointed a replacement. Meanwhile, men were already praying, and God was about to answer. So this, the council of war sat down, appointed a replacement. You know what happened to the replacement? When a plane tried to land, he had a bad landing. It crashed. The man fell out of the plane and broke his neck and died. Now, council of war had met and said this is a replacement. So what's the name of our British Prime Minister that time? Winston Churchill didn't have a choice. He had to replace the dead man immediately. So unilaterally, single-handedly, he picked a general nobody had ever heard of. His name was Bernard Montgomery. Nobody had ever heard of him. All they knew was Winston Churchill just another look. This guy is replacing that field marshal. Oh yeah, off to the front of battle. And the prayers said they had been praying. And one prayer the Holy Spirit had given him was that give us leaders so that it will be through their hands you will win us victory for your own glory. There's a way he prayed that prayer. I didn't get the words accurate, but that was the spirit of it. Make a long story short. He now found out later. Of course, this man came. So the first, he was a disciplined man, the son of a minister. Disciplined to the core. First thing he did was to shake all the officers up, put order into the camp. As soon as he put order into the camp amongst the officers, the rest of the soldiers, they fell in line. Morale was boosted. And the man used to speak, we're going to beat that guy, Rommel. Rommel was the commander of the uh, um, Allied forces, uh, the Axis forces, that the German forces. So we're going to beat that guy, Rommel. He would talk to the soldiers, everybody, yeah, yeah. Of course, they went into battle and beat Rommel. And in the final battle, that day, he heard it later. The man gathered his men before they went to war, to into battle. Say, let us pray. Let's ask the God of heaven, the Lord of hosts, to give us victory in this battle. So the man gathered his men to pray before they went into battle. And when Derek Prince heard of that, and the Holy Spirit said to him, that's the answer to your prayer. That victory was for my glory. It was not appointed democratically, if you are you get my point. The man that was appointed, who was not the right man, he fell out of a crashing plane and broke his neck. Sorry. As I tell you, don't fight for position. Don't. Don't. If it's not your own. Oh, that official car. That's the last day to carry anybody. You know, are you getting my point? It's going to crash somewhere. If you come out of it alive, you will thank God. But definitely you're not going back to that office. Don't fight for anything. Let God establish you. That's why I fight David running from one place to the other. He never bothered to come and fight Saul. When his men tried to kill Saul, he said, hey, wait. When God is tired of him, he will kill him in battle. Exactly what happened. Why I went all of that is trying to emphasize something to us. We may not see results as quickly as we would love to see them. It's because there are so many forces involved. There are so many spirits. Some people are praying with you. They are not really praying with you. And I'm convinced more than ever before. Please, I want to give you this prayer point. You know, he said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are what? Few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. Now, let me tell you my modification for that. He said, behold, I will give you pastors after my heart. Who will feed you with what? Knowledge and understanding. Before, now, listen to what I'm going to say. Before what God wants to do around us can be done, we need that segment of the ministerial office packed full with people of understanding. Because this... Now, get, get me. Until the critical mass amongst the people of God starts believing right 
and start having the right desires, the power of God cannot be released. How do you get them to believe right? You see why I brought up that prayer point. Mark chapter 6. He could there do no mighty work. From verse 1, Mark chapter 6. Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter? He was not just the son of a carpenter. He was a carpenter. The son of Mary. The brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And not his sisters here with us. And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor. Except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few sick, literally in Greek, sickly people. There was not much wrong with them. And healed them. And in verse 6, the Bible says, And he wondered at their what? Unbelief. What was the next line? What did he do next? And he was going around the villages teaching. The cure for unbelief is teaching. The only way he could, he didn't give up on them. What he now did was to go around and start doing what? Teaching. Systematically. Start explaining things to them. What am I trying to say? Except you have people who will go around teaching and filling the body of Christ with the knowledge of truth. The power of God cannot be released in this generation. It's a critical issue. It's a prayer point. Listen. He said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest I will do what? What's the meaning of that word sent? I heard they say is push out laborers. What's the name of, what's that Greek word again? Anakazo. Is that not what it is? Yeah, that's what this man's Bible school is called Anakazo. Um, the Ghanaian man. Yeah, Daghaud Mills. That sent out is not just sent. Like I have sent you. It's like push out. What are you doing here? Come on, move. Move it, move it. Collect the chair he's sitting on. Break it. Everywhere the teachers are hiding. Comfortable. You are, the Lord will give them discomfort. Some are in churches, their comfort is branch pastor. But the church has a rule. Only the, the voice of the senior pastor can be heard on television or on radio. No, you know, churches have that kind of rule. Yeah, yeah, they do that, they do that. Only the senior... Now, I'm, please, I'm not trying to criticize, I'm not trying to say it's bad or evil. I'm just saying it happens. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's relevant. It what? Happens, it happens. Sometimes a man that has been sent is in that kind of situation. They have not posted him to a branch. And it's comfortable, you know? There's a way they will branch you, eh? Your life will be very sweet. When they post the branch where Dangote is the church member. See the way this man is speaking in tongues. <laughs> There's one man of God that said something once. I'm not kidding about what I'm about to tell you. Every Sunday after I finish his ministry, oh, sir, that was such a tremendous blessing. Minimum, three million. Not anybody forcing anybody. People just come to him and say, sir, I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is not a matter, it's not a joke. If the man finishes preaching on Sunday, people are blessed. 
If you check his bag, his things, his account, everything, three million naira minimum has entered. Some people are saying, I need that kind of branch. <laughs> you don't need it. But you know, there are some men that are in such branches and they are just branch pastors. It may not be up to three million, even if it's just 1.5, I was. Even if it's 500. <laughs> <laughs> You know, God will be looking at, you know, that's why the man will now, he will now be preaching all kinds, of, all kinds of messages. There is a place of location. In, if he's speaking English, God will be looking at him like this. Well, the Lord is saying that you are one of those people that the church is praying about every day. Send out what? Laborers. Where you are, I know you are chopping well. You have finished your house in the city. The one in the village, you have laid the foundation. You are driving a nice car. Your wife has one. Your first son is now in driving school, so you can give him a small one. In this branch, praise God. Notice, you know, there are some branches that you have like five bank managers, three MTM managers, two globe managers, one shell director. You go preach first food, die, because... <laughs> some of these are our doctrines. It's... it's it's called milking doctrine. You don't look the sheep. It's ready for milking. Now hire a post to come collect my first fruit for me. <laughs> the man doesn't want to leave. That's where I'm going. Some of the arguments I've had with people on doctrine. I, I, I don't bother arguing. I say, Nadi, look, say, Pastor Bank, you want to spoil food? You know the answer to that our prayer? God said, don't worry. I will soon make your G.O. hear a rumor. That you are preaching against him. <laughs> One day, Pastor Kemote will do a program. You will go and mistakenly pray there. They will cut pictures, say he has joined another ministry. Before they know what's happening, maybe Pastor Kemote will mistakenly place the program on radio. That small thing, next you know you have been, okay, you, you, you have been called to explain. The next thing, they withdraw you to headquarters as a 17th in command. God said, I know what I'm doing. All your tithes and offerings, your special seed go dry. You are back to your salary. You know, God is very nice and patient. You now start hearing the voice of God say, the gift that I gave thee 15 years ago. Next thing you go, go buy a small phone, you go balance on, you're on Instagram preaching. God said, that was the idea. <laughs> you don't start a YouTube channel. Of course, by that time, before you buy the phone, you first resign. Just go and meet the Jews. So the Lord was speaking to me, and I have this call to go back to my hometown, small town. You know, once it's small town, the man no go vex. And so your life, your prosperous life is over. That's the end of it. All flesh is what? Grass. It's called, pray the Lord of the harvest to do what? Send out laborers. Many people are anointed in a place where they are comfortable, but they can't talk. They are anointed. But they are comfortable. And they are, they, let me tell you if you are like that, listen. Don't say, Lord, what do I do? God said, don't worry. Just tell me to help, to help you, and I will help you. I will help you with scandals. They will lie against you. One woman will tear her blouse in front of your door. And you don't even know. You're here twice. Now you call open the door. Say, what did they have for them? <laughs> they are, so you are opening the door. They clear picture. You're like, the only person that will believe you is your wife. Say, I know my husband. 
And it's the Holy Spirit that says you should believe. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do you strong. Even if you not go believe. There are different ways. Ah, when God wants to sack you. Oh, God sacks people different ways. He said, but this is my word. You will preach it. This word, you will preach it. Ken Higgins was funny. The way God handled him. He died. He collapsed. His heart starts beating. They called his wife. When he, he came, saw what had happened. And couldn't tell everybody, leave him, leave him, leave him. She knelt beside him and began to pray. You know why? Because before then, she had complained. My husband is always gone. Other women have their husbands with them. Am I the only one? I'm raising my children alone. Is this the only one called to ministry? Is a pastor not preaching also? I'd harassed the man so much. Even he too was tired. Because this worker about money, not the damn. If you don't know how to raise money in a wicked way, you know, the evil way, moving up and down, preaching the gospel, people will just come to you and say, Pastor, you have been a blessing. God bless you back, sir. Amen. And you are looking at your guy. Am I going to take God bless you to the market? I'm going back home. My wife will say, how are you for the, for the family? I will say, God bless you to them. <laughs> Can I, he was suffering like that. So even to yesterday, I agree with his wife. He said, I agree. You know what now happened? The Lord just said to his wife one day, as she was in the kitchen, I could take him away to where you'd never see him again. And she was like, who is that? Who is that? She didn't know. She heard that thing like two or three times. When she dismissed it, then one day they called her, that her husband had collapsed, then she understood what she had been hearing. So she quickly got down on her knees and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Complain. Never from my mouth again. In fact, if he gets up here, let him just be going. Go to Australia. <laughs> so the man rose up hills. It's in the Bible. Zipporah circumcised her son, and Moses was spared. I know when he collapsed, when he came to the church, he wanted to take over as pastor. That was where he collapsed. And God said, if you enter here, you won't leave. So I will pray prayers that send our laborers into the harvest. It's not a joke. Maybe we are comfortable. They are waiting to complete their house before they start preaching. Well, God said, you don't understand. Except we convert enough believers to the right mindset, to the right way of thinking. What I want to do will not be done. It's not about people filling churches. It's about those who go there thinking you know, thinking right. He said in Isaiah 55, the way you are thinking, not my thoughts. The way you are behaving, not my ways. So until you convert enough people to thinking according to his thoughts and walking according to his ways, you saw it there. Jesus can do no mighty work. So what did he do? He went around what? Teaching. That's why I said what I said at the beginning. We have a critical need at this hour. It's a serious need. It's a serious need. It's a serious need. There are a lot of angry people. They are angry. Before, it was only people in the East that were really angry with the nation. Then people in the West became angry because of uh, headsmen. Uh, no, just check the progression. Before, when I first came to Enugu, I had so much anger, I wanted to run. And I'm not joking, I'm not lying. When I say I wanted to run away, I mean it literally. I told my wife, if I ever leave Enugu, it's because I'm tired of angry people's talk. When I first came, I came in year 2000. The anger against the rest of the country, especially northern Nigeria, was palpable everywhere. Then over the last few years, the anger spread. Middle Belt and western Nigeria. Why? Headsmen. Headsmen. 
it caused a lot of anger. Once President Buhari came into power, the anger flared up. And for real reasons. I mean, humanly speaking. How can you be in your village? Strangers will come from far and come and take over the land. Graze on crops you've planted and shoot you if you speak. The anger began to spread. Please, I'm talking like this for you to understand as a Christian, see from the spiritual angle. Then the anger was spreading. They are spread to the east, the southwest, no, central Nigeria, and then it crept to the north. Because you heard the governor say last time, one northern governor, say if they don't stop killing northerners in southern Nigeria, there will be reprisals in the north. The anger has spread. Oh, yes! By the time a governor, a sitting governor, opens his mouth and says that, you should know that something is going on. There was a time, the one northern youth, this thing, ordered all Easterners to get out of the north. The Cardinal governor ordered them arrested. He was trying to calm things down. But to let you know that anger everywhere. Again, I don't have a problem with unbelievers being angry. It means nothing. Because when they were happy, what could they do? You know the problem? When Christians join the anger. Pastors will mount the pulpit and they're angry. They start raining curses on governors, on the head of state. They are angry. They are not prophesying for the Lord. They are ang- prophesying for angry people. They have not gone into the council of God to hear what he's saying. They have just heard what angry people are saying. And they feel like they have to speak from the pulpit. They can't, I can't be silent. I can't be silent. And God said, you better be silent. Otherwise, I will silence you. Because the one you are speaking is not my word. You know, there's something that the Bible says, I said the Lord had shown us mercy. We'll have been like Sodom. We'll have been like Gomorrah. And that's what I want Nigerians to understand. To become like Rwanda is what we are toying with. To become like some of those countries is what we are playing with. What is the solution? That's what I'm talking about. The solution lies just one place. On the pulpit. Of course, two places. First, the prayer of the saints. But effective, that is the working out of the solution, is from the pulpit. They are the ones that will come out and say, say speak kindly to Jerusalem. Say to her that her warfare is over. When you are going to pray and say, send laborers into the harvest, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. You are not, pray, you are not playing. No. Indeed, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are what? Few. What is the harvest right now? I'll tell you. Angry Christians that need to be converted to the will of the Almighty. Do you know, I have my conviction in my heart also. Nigeria has a lot of truly born-again Christians. A lot of people that go to church are really born-again. They're just confused. They're, most people who go to church are not born-again. I hope you know that. Half of the pastors are not even Christians. They were promoted. I, I didn't know that before. I know churches that I can beat my church that half of their pastors don't know God. I don't know which half, <laughs> but I feel convinced at least half, they don't know the Lord. No, there are priests in Israel. They did not know the Lord. The sons of um, Eli did not know the Lord. In our country today, we have, we have so many churches where the people don't know the Lord. The pastors don't know God. They don't know him. They've ne- Listen, every time I get to this point, I keep on saying that thing. I think you have to organize that baptism service. Maybe you discuss with Pastor Murphy and announce everybody, come and be baptized. I want to know so that anybody who doesn't know God will drown. 
Only true Christians will survive. <laughs> Nonsense. People, the church is full of all kinds of people. But I don't want to talk about them now. What is the other part I want to say? A lot are truly believers. A lot really believe, like Simon the sorcerer. But they are still in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. They believe. They truly believe. They really came to give their lives to Christ. But they are still in the gall of what? Bitterness and the bond of iniquity. For that reason, their prayers, nothing. When they want to pray, what they are saying is different. What they have in their minds is, there must be equity. God said, listen, my job right now is not equity. My job is Christ developed in you. I can bless you to such an extent you forget the past. You know people who have been blessed, you know, they, they don't have time for equity. You know that? It's all those who are still hungry and hungry. They are, nothing is moving. The business didn't work. So there's no, the thing is lack of equity. Once they hammer like this, they will join, you will join one party and start sponsoring one political office holder. You will never hear them say equity unless they are looking for, for post. All I've said is not a joke. I want you to understand that God can so bless, all this anger will disappear. But for, for it to happen, listen to me, you have to have enough Christians thinking that is people who have abandoned, their, they are no longer in the bondage of iniquity and bitterness has been removed from their hearts. The only way is through sound teaching. The only way is through sound teaching. The only way is through sound teaching. I want you to understand. Many, look, Pastor Banky alone cannot do, do the work. You know why? The kind of language I speak, there are some people that can't even connect with my English. And their spirits are important. Somebody has to be sent to them. There are some people, don't, they, nothing wrong with you as a preacher. And nothing wrong with them. Two of you just don't connect. Like I said last time, there are preachers some of my friends want to die for. And I cannot, I can hardly hear their accent. Say, not even talking about what they are saying. Which, what language is this? They say it's English. Is that English? When I, when I even hear them clearly, I'm wondering what are they talking about. And people are getting excited. Nothing wrong with the man. Trust me, nothing wrong with me. We just don't gel. But somebody has to reach me if that man can't. Are you getting my point? On, in this earth, in this nation, many people have to be reached. So when they say the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, it's not a joke. We have a prayer point. Let's rise to our feet. I believe what I've just said is, a, is an important word for this moment. Especially because that was never what I planned to preach. I wanted to continue what we were saying last time. I just began it like this and I got to this particular point. So I know that I've spoken the mind of the Spirit for today. First of all, let's thank God for truth that we are hearing. Give the Lord. And remember I said, pray without ceasing. Thanksgiving is one way by which we can be, you know, we can be praying all the time. Thanksgiving is one way by which we can pray all the time. Let's give thanks. Let's give thanks. It's of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Oh, that one is important. Let's give thanks for this nation. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. Let's thank the Lord for his mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Let's thank him, therefore, for that mercy. Let's thank him for the trials we have faced. But his compassion kept us. His mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Let's thank God for that. And I want us to pray that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. He said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. I've already explained that. In this nation right now, we need that truth established. I already established what the harvest is. 
and what laborers specifically are needed. What is the prayer point? Entreat the Lord of the harvest to push our laborers into the harvest field. Begin to pray that prayer. Say, Lord, send us laborers as you have written. I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Fulfill this word in our day. Lord, our mindsets have been warped as a body. Many of us have not thinking your thoughts. Many of us are not walking in your way. We need to be corrected. Therefore, we pray. Send us laborers in this our harvest field. Give us teachers after your heart who will feed us with knowledge and with understanding. Push them out. Get them out of their comfort zones. Cause them to begin to instruct your people so that we will no longer walk in darkness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask for light. Let light shine upon us. Let light shine upon us afresh by the inspiration of the teaching of the word of God. Let light be upon us. Let it shine afresh upon us. Just like Jesus came by Zebulun and Naphtali and they saw a light and the scripture was fulfilled that people by the seed there, they saw a great light. Upon them light shone. Let light shine upon us, Lord. Let light shine upon us through the ministration of anointed ministers of the gospel. In the name of Jesus. Pray that prayer. Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Everybody has his own job, her own job to do. As you are praying that prayer, one thing must be in your heart. Here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, I yield myself for whatever assignment you have for me to do. There are many people listening to me today. Tonight is the day they will be called into ministry. Today is the day of their calling. An anointing will come upon you. You will speak eloquently and fluently. And God will put your, you know, he said, who lights a lamp and puts it under a basket? But you put them on a the lampstand. Listen, God will put you on a lampstand. In the name of Jesus. As you are yielding yourself, as you are praying that prayer, I want everybody, two prayer points I gave now. One, send us laborers. Send laborers into your harvest field, Lord. As it is written, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And at the same time, say, Lord, here I am, send me. Whatever it is you want me to do, I yield myself. Here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm saying everyone that is called to teach, everyone that's called to instruct the people of God with the word of God, many are going to be called such in such a manner this night, this evening, as you are hearing me, or as you are hearing this message for the first time, you will be called. And as you are called, God will put you on your lampstand. You will find an unusual eloquence coming into your mouth. You will find an unusual ability to understand truth. You will find an unusual hunger for the word of God will grab you. That is the desire to learn. The desire to learn. You will have your Bible with you all the time. Always reading. Wanting to imbibe knowledge. Wanting to imbibe understanding. Tapes will always be playing around you. You will be going from one conference to another. Logging to one website to another. Trying to get as much knowledge as possible. It is because God has given you an assignment to go and feed these people with knowledge and with understanding. And you will not fail in your ministry. Give the Lord thanks this evening. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Remember, we pray without ceasing. Thanksgiving is one way by which we can continue to pray. In 30 seconds, let's just give the Lord thanks for answered prayers. Every time we um, lift our voices to him in prayers, he hears us. So let's thank him that he has heard us again this evening. Our God is not deaf. Let's thank him.
Say, Father, we thank you for paying attention to our prayers and answering our prayers. Because these prayers are in accordance to your will. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, again for stirring our hearts to truth. We bless your name. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's just be seated briefly. We'll be out of here. Um,